Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jay. Uh, before this episode, I just wanted to explain kind of what's going on this week. We're doing something a little bit different. A podcast that I edit for, called Rocking the Suburbs, invited us to do three guest episodes for them this week. And we elected to do them on the musician who's near and dear to our hearts, Mr. Frank Zappa. We go into a discussion of some of the people he's played with, his influences, what he's all about, and uh, play a lot of music. We had a lot of fun. I think by the end of the week, we kind of turned it into our own uh, version of Rock in the Suburbs. But uh, but yeah, if, if you enjoy uh, what you're kind of hearing on this episode and what you hear on most of the episodes from you, you should check it out. Um, please do check out Rock in the Suburbs. They do, a great, they do great work. They do a daily show. Um, a lot of content out there. It's a lot of work. They do a great job. So thank you to Jim and Patrick for having us, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy. Uh, without further ado, here's Zappa episode one. Today on Rockin' the Suburbs. Well, all right, gentlemen, are we ready to do this thing? Yeah, man. I even brought my finest poncho. That's nice, Greg. Just checking, though. Is that a real poncho or one of those crappy Sears ponchos? <laughs> Well, all right. Uh, welcome to another episode of Rockin' the Suburbs. My name is Jay Rossman. I'm Nick Klein. Greg Lohman here. And uh, we are filling in for Jim and Patrick. They're on a bit of a break, and we're going to be filling in with a couple episodes. Nick and Greg and myself, we have a podcast of our own. It's called You Should Check It Out, where we talk about some music stuff. It's kind of really just a copy of Rockin' the Suburbs, if I had to be honest. Yeah, it's an admiration. <laughs> I'd call it, I'd maybe say more of a ripoff. <laughs> right, exactly. You may know me or my voice from a, a previous episode of Rockin' the Suburbs. I'm also known as Intern John. I uh, do some editing for Jim and Patrick. But for continuity's sake, we're going to call you Jay throughout this episode. Right, right. Because that's how we know you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, you know, we got three episodes to cover. We had a choice of pretty much any topic uh, in the world, in the, at least in the realm of music. And um, while I was doing the Meet the Intern John episode, uh, it came up that the guys had never really done an episode on Frank Zappa. Yes. And he is one of our favorite artists of all time and a big inspiration to all of us. Indeed. And so Gee. we figured, well, we would take, you know, the next three days and kind of go through, give kind of a primer, if you will, on Frank Zappa and uh, his legacy and his music and what he's all about. The first thing, right off the bat, there's just so much ground to cover with Frank. You know, where do you even yeah. start? For those of you who don't know Frank Zappa or aren't familiar with his music. That's what we're here for. <laughs> I hope yeah. so. I hope so. I hope that we're not going to turn anybody off. You know, he was... Uh, self-taught in everything. He was a multi-instrumentalist. He was a, a composer yeah. of great renown, um, a band leader, inspired a, a lot of great musicians. The dude was a thinker. You could yeah. even go on and say, you know, he was almost, you know, he's an intellectual, an activist, sure. a philosopher, all, you know, all kinds of things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He'd probably uh, hate all those characterizations, but yeah. All well, those you know, yeah. but that's, <laughs> it, you know, he's not, he's not around yeah, to defend himself. We're here to apply labels. <laughs> right. Yes. So we were going through and trying to figure out where we would even start with and what, what songs we would pick, and that was a, a task in and of itself. But I thought we would just start with a song from 
from an early album of his. Uh, this is off of Hot Rats. was released in 1969. Um, this is an instrumental song called Peaches on Regalia. And this is a song that uh, kind of brought the three of us together. We learned to play this in college um, for a, a project for music class. And um, yeah, it's a uh, pretty interesting little track. This is called Peaches Chad. on Regalia. <laughs> That's a fun song. Yeah, Frank Zappa was, he was like brilliantly irreverent. Um, <laughs> and like right from an early start, he was uh, always interested in, in anything that was different or odd or or didn't seem like appropriate. He was, uh, the early influences, like one of his earliest was he uh, he read on a, an article about a record label that the record label was so big that they even put out an album by this composer named Edgar Varese. And uh mm-hmm. So he picked picked this album up and ran with it, and it's this. I mean, it's it's you know for that to be the thing that jumps out at him and makes him want to uh, to grab some sort of album just because it's it's kind of described as the weirdest guy out there. And then when he saw the cover of it, like it had this crazy mad scientist looking guy. Right, like that kind of got the, him into. That was the thing that attracted him to it. You know, just to how did. weird this guy looked, right? And I mean, I love this guy for a million reasons, but I, it wasn't until I really started you know, learning more about him that I, that I found out that Frank Zappa, he was a percussionist first, right. which when, when you listen to like his recorded works makes so much sense. Cause he definitely puts a lot of time and effort into getting the percussion sounding very different than the rest of the band mix. That's for sure. Like out of the gate, the earliest stuff. So yeah, like Varez and then Jay, what were some other ones? There was like in high school, he got into yeah. Johnny guitar Watson, right? What? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Stravinsky for for some of the more classical work, but then you know at at some point he ended up getting into black R and B and guys like like you said Johnny Guitar Watson, Howlin' Wolf. Uh, he really liked yeah. his vocal style. He loved doo wop, uh, right? He yeah, loved yeah. Oh yeah, really big into fifties yeah, doo wop. Yeah, and, and that's another thing. You know, he he kind of came up earlier than a lot of the other guys in the sixties. You know, so he, yeah. he he was pre Beatles when he was starting his first band. Or, mm-hmm. or his first bands, really. A failed drummer. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so many good good quotes from Zappa, too. You know, he, he, very quotable guy. But when you're talking about the, the range of the music that he was interested in, uh, there's this one great quote from him. Since I didn't have any kind of formal training, it didn't t- make any difference to me if I was listening to Lightning Slim or a, a vocal group like The Jewels or... Or Webern, or Verez, or Stravinsky, and to me, it was all just good music. Yeah, right on. Yeah. 
And uh, I think high school is also where he made friends with with uh, Don Valet or yeah, Captain Beefheart, right? Captain Beefheart, yeah, Captain Beefheart. So yeah, he kind of found his crew at an early age in high school and and kind of just went and did his thing. He got into film early on, <laughs> and uh, but it wasn't until he was seventeen till he got his first guitar. Is that right? Yeah, I'm not sure I knew that. And yeah, and that's that became kind of like the the instrument that he became obsessed with and and also music theory at a pretty young age when he was in he talks about like being in middle school band and the 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 teacher would let him go ahead and like write music for the band to play just so they could hear what it was and what a cool (laughs) teacher i mean right he probably kind of imposed that but super creative dude right out of the gate you mentioned uh that he got his guitar at 17 and um it's actually reminds me of the tune that we're going to play next joe's garage where he actually mentions he sort of gives a story of what it was like jamming with bands, you know, as a teenager. And uh, there's a line in there that always stuck with me where he's like, you know, it was a second-hand guitar, it was a Stratocaster with a whammy bar, (laughs) and then then it's like the cue for the guitar, like, lick that comes in, and it's just perfect. I love it. it. I love it. He's never afraid to be kind of self-referential. Yeah. For for a song that was written, or at least was recorded in 1979, you know, after he had kind of reached more or less the pinnacle of his of his fame um, unbeknownst to him yeah right <laughs> yeah <laughs> going back and kind of writing a song up kind of a corny song by anybody else about learning to play guitar in the garage it's kind of mm-hmm. uh so yeah let's, hear that one. let's uh let's give joe's garage a spin it wasn't very large there was just enough room to cram the drums in the corner over by the dodge it was a 54 with a mashed up door and a cheesy little lamp With a sign on the front said Fender Champ and a second hand guitar It was a Stratocaster with a whammy bar We could jam in Joe's garage His mama was screaming and his dad was bad We was playing the same old song in the afternoon and sometimes we would play it all night long it was all we knew and easy to so we wouldn't get it wrong all we did was bend the string like hey down in joe's garage we didn't have no dope or lsd but a couple of quarts of beer would fix it so the intonation would not offend your ear And the same old chords going over and over became a symphony We could play it again and again and again Cause it sounded good to me One more time So I, I forgot that, I, I actually forgot that line in the thing But that reminds me, that, like he never did drugs. <laughs> like the guy never did any drugs throughout his entire career. Right. Like he tried weed once, right? And and made him sleepy or something. <laughs> That's the uh, story. Yeah, he yeah. makes it makes a comment about like not yeah, coffee not coffee and burnt weenie sandwiches. And cigarettes. And cigarettes. cigarettes. Yeah, mostly cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. Mostly but cigarettes. I, you know, I, I gotta say, man, like when I hear that song, it kinda makes me a little emotional, man. It kind of brings me back to like, Hell you know, yeah. when it's like, you know, the mom was screaming and the dad was mad. I'm just uh-huh. like, this is like what we, you, it's like Everybody's a rite of passage. Band, right? Exactly. Yeah. If you're in, a, if you've ever been in a band in, especially in high school, that's exact. I mean, there's no other story to it, you know, <laughs> that's right. yep. like it's everyone goes through that. And, uh, I mean, maybe not these days because everyone can just, you know, crank out records on their laptop, but at one point in time, well, we all, if had, you want to get a good drum track in there, yeah. I'm sure that right now there's a lot of, 
high school kids trying to jam in a in a garage and it's like a it's Absolutely. a cool you know it's it's it, it paints a great picture and you know and if you've got a drummer then somebody's dad's yelling at you <laughs> exactly and and how exactly you know and and how he's singing about it so fondly you know that's like, right that's yeah. right yeah. you know it, 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 i i really like that and yeah uh, there is a wistfulness in the song that that you don't find in a lot of his other tracks <laughs> that's right you know but obviously it's the tip of the iceberg when it comes to frank you know yeah it's just know, endless right? it's endless what this guy came up with we're trying you know, to, we're still catching up yeah and we're trying to jam all this into to three episodes we kind of wanted to treat this first episode as an overview of sorts, not, you know, necessarily a timeline because that would take five episodes to do. But we did want to kind of touch on some of the some of the bigger aspects of, of what he does. And there was another thing that occurred to me, guys, you know, you know, humor definitely runs uh, through most of his tracks. And, uh, you know, I yeah. think a lot of people think of him as just kind of a writer of novelty and comedy songs. And he certainly had plenty of those. Um, and I think some of the criticism that I've heard in the past from or about Frank from other musicians and other friends um, has been, well, it's just kind of this cheesy comedy stuff. But, you know, there's... no, but it was an irreverence. It really was. That's why I was saying like yeah. an irreverence, like it was more an attempt to disrupt or, you know, anything to kind of make you pause to kind of give you that like that moment of what was that? Yeah. Or what did he say? Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, I think sometimes it maybe gets a little much in certain some, certain songs, especially the more you have to listen to some of those hit songs, which <laughs> I love all of his stuff, but there's definitely some in there where it's like, we get it, we get the shtick. Yeah. There are a lot of big, famous fans out there of Frank Zappa. Matt Groening is one that comes to mind, the creator of The Simpsons. And I, I may be misquoting him on this, but he said that something that appealed to Frank, appealed to him about Frank's music from an early age was that it seemed like nobody was safe from the yeah. aim of Frank's satire, you know, and you can see mm -hmm. that in, in, in shows like The Simpsons or Futurama where he take, he's willing to take on all comers, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that all our sense of humor kind of reflects that as well. Yeah, I Yeah, agree. totally. Um, there was a point, I think, early on in his, in his early work where he would actually try to do some semi-serious social commentary. He's got a, mm -hmm. his, I think, third album is We're Only at the Front of the Money, and that whole album is just, it's him going back and forth between like yelling at the hippie movement. Right. But then also he's got a, some really poignant lines in there about the parents of these, of these kids. Like, right. don't you see that she just wants a hug? Stop with, the, with this plastic life and this coming home and mm. drinking and driving in your Lincoln and all that. It's almost like he was the counterculture to the counterculture. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in many ways. Mm -hmm. Right. So I wonder if in a later age, he tried not to take himself too seriously. And that ended up being the ridiculous stuff. He may have just run extent. out of targets to, uh, well, yeah, I don't know. Like I don't think it really. I don't think that was the case. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I mean, speaking of the social commentary, um, one of the songs, his earliest social commentary songs that was featured on Freak Out, is a song called "Trouble mm -hmm. Every Day," and that was actually a song that was heard by uh, Tom Wilson, who I don't. Okay. If you're familiar with him, uh, he worked for Columbia. He was a producer for some of Bob Dylan's most famous albums mm. one of the very few african-american producers at really making an imprint on mainstream popular music at the time and he heard trouble every day which was written about the the watts riots and uh, he thought that was an important thing so ironically it's it's a social commentary song that kind of got frank Connected. and the mothers you know a nation nationwide mm -hmm. reputation yeah oh absolutely yeah. yeah or not ironically at all i mean it, yeah i kind of wonder if he had 
stayed a little more towards the the direct social commentary if he would have had more traction i i think that the route he took was the route he was going to take no matter what and i absolutely love him for it but yeah yeah he definitely hit some he hit some nerves early on but i mean but throughout his entire career nobody was off limits and hopefully in the next three episodes we can at least touch on aspects of that because he was more than just like a goofball that ticked off a lot of people yeah it's funny though with everything we've talked about so far you know he really was focused on his what he called his his serious music which he recognized or at least he thought at a pretty young age i'm probably not going to get paid for this um he tried he tried doing movie scores and that didn't really pan out but i don't think he tried very hard um and so he kind of he used his rock music to essentially finance what he considered to be his serious work which were actual you know compositions like um, chamber pieces and orchestral pieces right yeah, and I think that's one thing that not a lot of people know either when they think of you know the song about sure. the dog pee and, sure. and, and, and that, the dis- disco boy. That kind of dovetails into the arc that we're going to try to take for this whole yeah. this set of episodes. This is the intro. We're almost wrapped up here. But then I think the next episode, tomorrow, we're going to explore some of what some people call his commercial side or Frank Zappa as the rock musician. And then mm-hmm. ep- episodes three, we're going to go into the stuff that we like, the kind of weird out there avant-garde stuff and his instrumental works and his kind of more formal compositions. So that's, right. that's the arc anyway. We'll see how, <laughs> we'll see how it that's goes. That's the plan. That's the plan. <laughs> hey, man, I'm looking forward. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be great. Well, it's just so funny. You know, we've been talking about this guy all of our lives. And when we get the opportunity to actually sit down and, and formalize a discussion about this stuff... It's like, well, where do you even start? Where do you go? How do you... Jim and Patrick, hats off, man. This is hard. Seriously. <laughs> this is hard. <laughs> well, and for everyone who's worried, don't worry about that. Jim and Patrick will be back next week. Yes, um, next week. So stay tuned tomorrow. Uh, we will be back with you, and we'll be talking about, uh, you know, his rock music, the fun stuff. And if you'd like to connect with Rock and the Stubbers, feel free to send them an email. We won't get it, but Jim and Patrick, I assume, will. I don't know. That's what they say, anyway. Yeah. Uh, you can email them at rock at suburbspot.com. Uh, if you do the Twitter thing and Facebook and Instagram, you can connect to them at at suburbspod. And if you like what you hear from us, uh, you should check out You Should Check It Out, which is our podcast. And uh, we're getting up. We got about four or five episodes up now. This is actually going to be episode six of ours. And you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those. If we get legal to sign off on all this. Right, right. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Hmm. So, uh, Greg, I think the way we do our podcast is we set it up. We do three different segments. Each of us lead into a song. So, Greg, why don't you pick the outro song? What do you want to play? Well, I think that Montana would be a good one to check out just because... It's it's one of the first ones I heard, and I, I just remember being, "What the hell is this guy talking about?" You know? <laughs> well, I think it's clear and, as day, uh, man. He's a he's a dental floss farmer. He's a dental floss guy. Yeah, dental he, floss tycoon. Yeah, but it, it it makes sense in its own weird way, but it doesn't make any sense. So, I think I don't there's know. a lot of money in, a lot of money in dental floss back then, I believe. <laughs> well, well, the secret's out now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, we're too late. Yeah. So okay, guys. Well, thank you very much, and uh, we will see you tomorrow. All right. See you tomorrow. Be moving to Montana soon Just to raise me up a crop of dental floss Raising it up 
waxing it down in a little white box that I can sell uptown. By myself, I wouldn't have no boss, but I'd be raising my lonely dental floss. I just might grow me some beans, but I'd leave the sweet stuff to somebody else. But then, on the other hand, I would keep the wax and melt it down, pluck some floss, and swish it around. I'd have me a crop, and it'd be on top. That's why I'm moving to Montana. Moving to Montana soon. Gonna be a dental floss tycoon. Yes, I am. Moving to Montana soon. Gonna be a dental floss tycoon. If you happen to like what you're hearing from us, uh, you should check us out too. And you should check out. You should check it out. That made zero <laughs> sense whatsoever. <laughs> we got to keep that one. <laughs> well, we have to do an Easter egg at, after the outro music plays. Then they put in like, oh, a, they do like a, an outtake at the end of it. So that can be okay. that. We've got, I've got about, about an hour's worth yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>